evening, ladies. I think most of you know who I am. I've been in Edgewood since 1982. And this is a story of a person that was lost and then was found. And um, thank you for all your wonderful work that you've done tonight. And thank you for the men for their kind-heartedness to serve us. Um, as many of you know that I have, I come from Germany. I was born and spent most of my my childhood in in Germany, and and um, my I was born right during the war, right when the war started, actually. And my father was drafted and was sent to Russia, and we lived in a in a town that was. Um, Industry, had a lot of in industry and was uh, heavily bombed. So they decided that they would take all the children to a safer place and to so that the children would not be would spare be spared. And my mother decided that she would not want my brother and I to be going by ourselves. So she went along with us, and we ended up in. Elsa's Lorraine, which is uh, part of uh, on the on the left side of the Rhine River, and uh, it always was. If it, if the Germans won the war, it was part of Germany, and if the French won the war, it was part of France, and so it was. But they uh, at that time, and they all spoke German. So when we went there, it was a safe place, and. And my mother never went to the bunker anyway when, when the bombs were falling. So uh, it's probably the best thing because we probably would, I probably wouldn't be here. But none, of, none of us would be here. My mother and my brother, we probably would have gotten killed because we found out right after we had left our apartment we had lived in was bombed heavily. And so we stayed. In, in, in Elsa's for about two years and um, the war had ended and we, they gave us 24 hours to leave and we had taken a lot of our possessions um, to Elsa's with us on a whole train load of, of furniture and, and good things that you, you did not want to lose because of the bombs. So when we had to leave, we couldn't take anything with us. We had to leave overnight, and my mother carried her sewing machine, which was not a portable one, it was one of those big boxing things. But it, it was very important because, especially later on, we, she had to sew all of our clothes because there was nothing left. And we ended up with my grandmother. <coughs> Grandparents actually lived outside from my father's side, lived outside of Mannheim in a smaller town. So we ended up living with them. And um, my, my grandfather died right after we got back from, I, I did not even remember much about my grandfather. I was the 
I must have been about four or five years old. And, um, and, and at that time, also the refugees came from the eastern part of Europe, from the Poland area and uh, on the, the eastern side when the war had been lost. And there were a lot of refugees coming over. And the mayor came to my grandmother's house and told her that she had to make room for, to take in a family. And so we, my brother and I had to share a room. We, we didn't have all that much room. There was, we had three bedrooms and a kitchen and a, and a bathroom. And so um, in the upstairs then we had to take in these refugees. My grandmother got very upset because she said, I have no more rights in my own hometown, in my own home. She said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna sell the house and we're gonna build a new one. And whoever buys the house, they're gonna inherit these people too. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we did. <laughs> And then my, my father came back from the war and he had been wounded um, and on the Russian front and was sent back to the eastern part of Germany with shrapnels all over him. And that was probably a good thing because he came home early before the war was completely ended. And, um, and also my father was um, uh, a, a um, he instructed young boys uh, in the faith. It was kind of like a Boy Scouts, I would say, here. Um, and because of that, he was, that was before my parents were married, he was an um, enemy of the state. So he had, uh, somebody told, he was, his profession was a carpenter and he worked for a big firm making furniture, and somebody told him, he said, if you don't leave, they're gonna arrest you and they're gonna put you in concentration camp. So my father, um, he had to leave really fast and he went to work in, uh, in somewhere in, near Stuttgart working on a road. And because what they had done, they burned down the factory and said it was my father. But he had an alibi and so uh, that was a good thing. He had left because he could have been home. They would have definitely arrested him and sent him off. So that was, uh, there again, God's provision is always there for the people who he has called out to, for his plan. which was um, my parents, uh, we had, a, the building material was very uh, rare and, and hard to come by, so a lot of things had to be done uh, in, in phases, uh, as you could get material to, to build the house, and also the laborers were not there because all the men had gone to war, and there were not many people there. So my, my parents always had to 
find people who would work on the side. I remember one time we had a man come from from Frankfurt. We didn't even know the man, and, and he stayed with us for weeks and weeks and weeks. He was building the stairs going up to the second floor in the house. He, he was uh, making uh, cement blocks for the, for the back of the house that we later used for housing our animals because at that time, actually the, the after war time was worse than during the war because all resources had been used up. And during the war, I remember my mother, um, thank God she had her sewing machine because without the sewing machine, I don't know what I would have wore because she, when the, when the Americans came in, she hid the, the flag with the swastika <coughs> under the coal in the basement. And it came in handy later on because she used it to make dresses for me. Um, and not only that, because all everything we I wore, and my brother, well my yeah my brother too, she had to sew it because you clothes was rationed, shoes was rationed, food was rationed. So she would sew. My grandfather had passed away, and so she had all this wounds these woolen rough, uh, almost like sackcloth jackets and pants that she cut up and she made me a pair of pants out of that. And I remember it was so cold and I refused to wear them. And she said, you cannot go to school. You have to walk to school. It was snowing and it was about a two mile walk for me. She said, you have to wear these pants. So they were so scratchy, my legs were all red. And I was just going like this. <laughs> you better go. You better go to school. So, yeah, everything was. was and, and the worst thing was we were. The worst thing for the people in the city that had not much food to eat. We were very blessed because we had. My grandparents had land. We grew all our food. We grew all of our everything we ate. And we had we had chickens. We had pigs. We had goats. We had, we had the milk because of the goats. We had rabbits and everything practically that we ate, uh, we had from producing it ourselves. But that was also part of not only, that was a family affair. It was not just mother and father taking care of the things. That was part of my brother and I's chores. We had, I remember one time my father said, Today I'm going to teach you how to milk the goat. <laughs> I thought I can never learn to milk a goat. It was I was only seven or eight years old, and he he would show me how to you you squeeze it from the top down so the milk would come out, and I would just pour it on the goat, and the goat would kick the bucket, and she would he would he would get so mad, and he would pop me one, and he said, "Now you start all over again." <laughs> so upset. I was so upset. I said, I never can learn how to milk the goat. You let my brother do the milk, milk the goat. I don't like to milk the goat. <laughs> and then we had, we had another goat that was a, a male. And he was, his name was Fritz. We called him Fritz. And he would run around in the yard. We would let him out. My brother and I, we, we toys, we didn't have toys. So um, he was our sport, so we let him out and he would jump. We had a, 
at least, it was at least an eight-foot wall. He would jump up on that wall and walk around up there. And one day, I remember, that was so sad. They told me, they told me they were going to have to kill the Fritz and make sausage out of him. Oh. <laughs> I told my parents, I will not ever eat any of that. So they would, um, we made, um, they made kind of, it was kind of like salami because you would dry it for weeks and weeks and it, it probably tasted good, but I didn't eat any of that. So we just food with, with one of those little, soft, it was about like a hot dog. She sent me with my bread and that, and I told my girlfriend, I said, tomorrow I'm going to come and I'm going to bring the sausage and you bring jam, a piece of bread with jam, and then we're going to switch. <laughs> so, we would always, we'd always trade, and she was very happy to have my sandwich. <laughs> but my mother never found out about it. <laughs> My father, he was, um, he had a lot of co-workers. They lived in the city and they had no way of uh, getting food anywhere. So what they would do, they would go to, um, to bother, they would go to the farmers and they would take things that the family still had at home. Some people took china, some took their, the linens, whatever they had just to, to get enough food for their family to eat. So these men, they came up with some brilliant idea. They took little wooden blocks and they melted the soap and they dipped the wooden blocks in the soap and here they went bothering with these little wooden blocks. And the, the farmers thought they were getting a big bar of soap. <laughs> so <laughs> two weeks later, other men came and, and, the, and the farmer said, Ah, you're the one. He said, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, we got taken. You, you're the one who has these little wooden blocks inside the soap. He said, no, it wasn't me. But he said, I'm not giving you anything. You better go. <laughs> so a lot of these things were done during the war when people got all, all, all kinds of ideas just to survive. And we had uh, asparagus fields, which is um, done we used um, um, white asparagus, and they they go underground. And and me and my brother, we had to go before school, get up at five o'clock in the morning, took the bicycle, and we went to cut the asparagus. And um, that was an extra income for us because we didn't we couldn't possibly eat all the asparagus because it was an eight week season. And that was a, an extra income for things we needed to when we built a house. And one day I remember I got so upset because that we were we were uh, allowed to come two hours, uh, no, one hour later to school. So instead of eight o'clock at nine o'clock, and I was in third grade, and I only had one pair of shoes, and and the teacher said to me, he said. Um, okay, come up here and um, stand right up here. And she pointed to my shoes and she looked at the key and she said, 
Kids, look at her dirty shoes. This is how she comes to school. It just, I just was so upset and I cried and I went home toward my mom and she's, she said, don't worry about it. They, they don't know what you have done already this morning. But it really did get me very upset that she would make such sports in front of me. But in, in school, religion was part of our curriculum. And, and that was one of my favorite subjects. I loved religion. And we had some old teachers. We had one lady teacher that was my father's teacher already in first grade. So I just loved, loved that subject. And I always had an A in that. And that was, was something that I, I carried with me the rest of my life. I always was interested in religion. But I had, yeah, I knew God, I knew of God, but I did not know him personally. It was just something, um, I, we went to church every Sunday, and um, twice actually on Sunday. And we always came home and we discussed what was said, what was done in church, but there was no, there was some, something missing. And I never knew exactly what it really was. So it, it, it just, I, I made my own um, <coughs> shrine. And um, I, I loved what, when the past, when the priests always would talk about Mary and how she was the intercessor for us. And you know, when you have when you don't have the word of God, you are led to believe anything you are told. And we were told we are we are not educated enough. We have to listen to the priest what he tells us. So I had in my room I had that I shared with my brother, I had a Mary statue put on my dresser. And I put fresh flowers on there and I would kneel there and I yeah, I was an idol worshiper. But I know that God knew I was doing it in ignorance because it was not something that I even ever thought was wrong. I thought I was doing a good thing and I always thought it was something that, that would get me closer to God. Not knowing, not knowing how to, to really go and find him. We, we, did, we did not even have a Bible in the house. And, but we went to, to faithful to church and confession every, 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 whenever we felt like it was necessary. We kept all the laws of the church. And my mother grew a lot of flowers and, and vegetables that she shared with the priest. And of course, other people in the neighborhood too. And when I finished school, I went to a boarding school. It was an all-girls convent. Of course, that was nice. It was good for me because I thought um, I get to know more about God in, in the convent. So we had mass every morning. We went to, to church. And all the activities, of course, surrounded a lot of religious activities. 
and uh, we had sewing lessons, we had um, many things that uh, young ladies need to know before they get married. And um, when, I, when, when, when that part of that year was over, I decided I wanted to see something of the world. And I went, I, I had a newspaper, and I wrote to, um, as an au pair, they had a job advertised as an au pair in Switzerland. So I thought, this is just the thing for me. I don't want to really go back home and go work in the field and do all the things that they expect me to do. So I thought, I'm getting out of there. <laughs> so after, I, after that year in, in, in Switzerland, I came home and I, and I had um, a friend that I, I was very close to in, um, in the boarding school, and she had gone to England. And so I was in touch with her, so she wrote me a letter and she said, Oh, it is so nice here. I, I really, you should come and you could learn English. I said, Oh, yeah, that sounds great. I don't know a whole lot of English, I know a little bit. But um, because we did, English was not taught right after the war. There were not even many male teachers. We had mostly female teachers. English was not in the curriculum then. So I thought, that is, the, that is my ticket. I am going to England. So I went to England for one year and um, learned English. But I was faithful to go to church every Sunday. I, I went to church, it was a family. Uh, the first family uh, was, um, the men had, they had a, uh, a, a, men's work, uh, a men's clothing store on the Piccadilly Circus. And, this, and um, after a while I thought, this is kind of not what I want. I think I'm going to find me another job. <laughs> so I found me another job. And this, this time, it was, there were, they all were Jewish families. And uh, this next uh, Jewish family was uh, living more outside of London. And it was a long commute because when I was off on Sunday, uh, I wanted to do want to go somewhere and do something, so we we always uh, had to take the train, and I didn't have a whole lot of money, so I didn't think that was a good idea. So I, I, I looked for another job <laughs> as an au pair, and this time I went to the Payne family right in the heart of London, and they lived um, very close to a Catholic church, uh, one of the cathedrals I could walk to, and to the Royal Albert Museum, and um, he was the conductor of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. I got to go to the theater with them, and she owned a coffee shop, and all I was doing was taking care of their 10-year-old daughter. And uh, it was just fun because I had a lot of time on my hands to do sightseeing, and, and I was part of the family, and and they really liked me and I liked them. We got along just fine. So um, after, after I finished that year, I wrote my father, my, pa my parents a letter and said, 
I think I'm going to friends. I think I want to learn French. <laughs> and my father said, oh, you let him back. That was before telephone. He said, he, he wrote back and said, well, if you go to France, you don't need to be coming home anymore. So I thought, hmm, that's not a good idea. He means it. So I went home. And then I said, well, I know enough English that I can get me a job with the Americans. And uh, I, did, I went to the unemployment office in Mannheim, and uh, I got me a job in the office working for the American government. And uh, my father was very upset. He said, yes, I know you're going to come home and get married to one of the Americans. I said, don't worry, I will never marry one of them. You don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing was, it, I had no intention because I was, I had met a young man uh, then, by then, and we got engaged. And um, that didn't last very long. Yeah, we got engaged in uh, on New Year, and I think in the summer, I, I, I gave him the ring back because I found out that he was unfaithful. He was working for um, a pharmaceutical company, was it farm wrap? Wrap, and um, he was always gone, and he he just thought I wouldn't find out. But we had a, a mutual friend, and he was the one who was telling me all this stuff. I said, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> so, um, but all along, I see God's hand in all of this because uh, who knows what would have happened if I ended up in France, if I stayed in Switzerland, if I stayed even in Germany, who knows what would have happened. But God in his sovereignty knew what was the path for my life. So my husband was so determined to date me, I, had, I was first, I was not interested at all in him. And I had another boyfriend, so he drove me to my boyfriend. Uh, it was about 30 miles or 50 kilometers to my boyfriend, and then he came and picked me up again. <laughs> so, um, but he, he was so, he had everything strategically planned. Because he, uh, one, on, on one Easter, or the first Easter that I knew him, he came to my house and he had, they had these big chocolate eggs and they were filled with chocolate inside and flowers for my grandmother, for my mother, for me. Everybody, he was very, he impressed everybody. <laughs> so, it was, we ended up getting married. I, I couldn't believe it myself. <laughs> because I, I just thought, it wasn't that I was adventurous, I wanted to come to America. That was not out at all, because I had really uh, adventure in, in, in my world. already had done a lot of things and wanted to, you know, it was not anything like that. But, um, so we, we, we had, um, we got married in January and, and Marcus was born in November. And, um, and, 
that we were already scheduled to come to the United States then in January, which was really a short time. But I worked to the, the last minute there, and because uh, they give you six weeks uh, maternity leave before the baby's born and six weeks after the baby is born. And then we came by ship over here to America. And we had to, we landed in New York. We had our car shipped there, and we had to drive from New York all the way down here to Georgia. But um, the adjustment was unbelievable for me. Even though I had been in England, I had been in, I had been around, and I had met a lot of people, but I was not prepared for. The shock that I felt like maybe it was knowing it is so far away. And coming by ship, it was more so the distance. It was not like I knew I could get on a plane and get back home. It was just like seven days on the water. I thought I'd never get back home. <laughs> and um, so Barbara was born then. Fifteen months later, we, Barbara was born here in Columbus, and um, in 1966, and uh, she was baptized. And we went to church in Fort Benning. And um, that summer, after that first summer, she was—I guess she was six or seven months old. It's the first time I went home after I had left home with Barbara and. Uh, and Marcus, of course, and all by myself. Cecil did not go. He could, we didn't have the money to pay two tickets. And that was the charter flights. It took you 36 hours to get there. We had to go and fly from, from Atlanta to New York, and then from New York, one of those pop chats, and that thing was so loud, it would shake the whole plane, would just shake the whole time. And, that gave me a box to put Barbara in, a cardboard box that was right in front of my seat. And, 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 and Marcus, I had strapped to my, to my stomach. And here we were on a 24-hour flight. It was just horrible. By the time we got there, my mother said, are you sick? <laughs> yes, I had, I had lost so much weight because I looked terrible. I'm sure I did, especially after that ordeal being on that on that trip for so long. And um, then um, in uh, the, the following, well, that was that very first Christmas. Then Barbara was not even a year old. Cecil was sent to Vietnam. And I was by myself. I thought, this is not going to work. I'm not going to stay here by myself. I'm going to do something about this. So I went to work in Fort Benning. I got me a, another job in the office, and they uh, recognized my time that I already worked in Germany with them. And so I got me a job. And I uh, made sure I was going to get my citizenship because I had planned on going back to Germany uh, while Cecil was in Vietnam, but it took longer, so eight months I had was by myself. And um, got my citizenship and decided I would put the furniture in storage and rent the house and go to Germany. And 
into it and I was sharing with him what I was learning and was studying. But I always told her, I said, I want none of your material. I gotta have just this Bible. That's all. That was God's sovereignty over my life and his protection. And um, one day she came over again and lo and behold, my husband came home. And he told me, he said, if I ever see this woman that, that you do this Bible study again, I'm going to throw you and her out that window. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was so scared. I thought he would be up to probably would have, I don't know if he would have. <laughs> I'm still wondering about it. But anyway, I was really, really scared. And here she was. We had one entrance. and. And, I, and we only had about a minute or two. And I thought, what am I going to do with her? She, I, I don't know what to do. She was, she was tall. She was, and I thought, oh, she doesn't, we didn't even have time to go to the bedroom. So I, I just opened the closet door and I put in the closet. And I said, please be very, very quiet. And so, uh, then she said, um, oh, I, 
I can, uh, you, would you like to go? No. She said, we can have a Bible study. I said, oh, no. I am not have a Bible study. I am not having, I didn't tell her why, but I said, there's no way that I'm going to have a Bible study. We do, this is, this is, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I knew that if I did, Cecil really would have been upset. Or he might be, I don't know what he would have done. So, in Arizona, then I was so confused, I, didn't, I did not go to church anymore. I thought, well, I, 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 I wanted to go to church. I wanted to know more about the church, but at the same time, it was plaguing me to, what, I, what little bit I had learned in those three months from that woman, that if I stayed in the church, I was going to hell. I didn't want to go to hell. And I thought, I, I, I was just desperately searching and not knowing where to look until we came to Columbus. And the school system was not what we had hoped to be, so the kids started St. Anne's because uh, they were a whole year ahead, even though they were in third grade, they had, he, Marcus had second uh, class uh, books uh, for school, and Barbara was in first grade, she had kindergarten books in school, so we decided we send them to St. Anne's. I told my husband, we either gonna move, or they're going to, to St. Anne's. Here we are, ended back in the Catholic Church. And, of course, when you have children in the school, you have to participate in what is going on in the church. So, and also you, you were, well, you were kind of told you had to tie. So, I we ended up back at St. Anne's, but God had a plan all cut out already. It was uh, Irene Oswald was doing a Bible study. And, um, oh, I said, that is just fantastic. I am going to go to her Bible study. And she had the nuns come participating. And the nuns would always, when, when, when Irene would bring out her, her, um, her Bible, they would always reinterpret things. They would never agree of what it really said. And so, Later on, we started, and I said, Irene, we don't need these nuns here. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I said, you know what? We're going to have Bible study in my house. That's how we're going to get rid of them. <laughs> so we started Bible study at our house. And God sent a neighbor in my neighborhood. Um, her name was Jane Hess. For a short time, her husband worked in Fort Benning, and she was the one who told me one day, she came up and she said, you know, we talked about spiritual things, and she said, you know, you have to be born again. I thought, what is she talking about? Born again? What do you mean, born again? And, um, but the Bible study, I learned enough and Irene, I don't know why, we never got on that subject. We had to, I had to be born again from her. She never, we never talked about that. But one day I just 
had um, God was drawing me so, and I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. I, I've got to know this God more. I got to know him closer. I got to know who he is. So I went in the bedroom and I kneeled down and I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know a whole lot about you, and I know I know about you, but I have that personal relationship that they all talk about that Jan was telling me I would love to have that personal relationship. So I nailed down and it was 1982 when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you know what? The most faithful thing was that um, they had started they had started um, precept and Irene was telling me about it and I said, I don't, I am going to that Bible study. So God had already prepared a place for me to go when I had that insatiable desire and hunger for the word. And it felt, it was so, it was so overwhelming for me I just devoured the word. I devoured the Bible. I did, and it was Ginger Calhoun who was my first teacher. And then it was um, a sweet friend. Um, what is she? Mary Lee. Mary Lee. Mary Lee. And then we chill. I've been in, in, in precept ever since, and it, it was my lifeline. Without the Word of God, I, I wouldn't, have, wouldn't have grown. I wouldn't have known where to go for comfort and for hope and, and, um, and healing, healing of my, my terrible homesickness that I had. Uh, I have a German friend, and she we, we used to get together on holidays, and I would cry my eyes out. And she said, I don't know why you're crying. You should be happy that you're here. I said, no, I, wanna be, I don't want to be here. I want to be in Germany. I don't, I'm homesick. I want to see my family. I want to be with my family. I'm, I miss them. And I was just, it, especially on holidays, it was just so terrible that I cried every time we got together, it, it just came over me. And uh, they didn't understand it, why? They said, you have everything here, you should be happy. I said, yeah, I know I should be happy. But I can't, I, I miss my family, I miss everything that I left behind coming over here. So it was just, um, but in God's mercy, um, and then we, we were, I was still at St. Anne's when I started precept. And then I decided, well, what, I, what happened is my mother got very deathly ill. She had cancer. And I went home to Germany, and uh, the kids were here. They were both in high school. And uh, the Noxes invited Barbara all the time. Barbara was a cheerleader. Captain and Luanne was a cheerleader. They all got together and the, the Noxes took Barbara with them on trips and they were really, really interested to come over here to Edgewood. And I was telling my husband about that and he said, 
I don't know why you want to go over there. You, you're not happy over here? I said, no, I, I, want, I want to know more. I, I, there is more to what the Catholic faith is teaching me. I said, I, I need to know more. And his heart was not. And, and I had just gotten uh, out of the course, marriage without regrets. So I had to be obedient to him, which I didn't, I, I, before I, I didn't think that was that important. <laughs> but after I learned that I had to be obedient to him, I, I had to listen. So in order for him, for his heart to be softened, God let me go to Germany for three months to be with my mother as she was dying and really sick. And Edgewood Baptist Church ministered to my family. They came and ministered with food. They ministered whatever. They came and asked if there's anything they can do. We've been in, in St. Anne's for 20 years and nobody came. I was on the school board, I was in, active in the church, I was on every committee you can imagine, and nobody checked on them. And that impressed my husband. So when I came back, after my mother passed away then, um, the 31st of November, and I came back five days later, and, um, and he, he was telling me, he said, guess what? Edgewood Baptist Church is the one who was looking after us while you were gone those three months. And I said, in my heart, I thought, mm, God has really worked in him. And he did, he worked in him, he worked. All, all the kings he worked out on him, in him, that he would agree for us to come over here to Edgewood and then when we started coming over here, it, I was still associated with the school, so Father Shinnick called me a traitor. I said, you're a traitor. I said, well, it's what you were calling. I, 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 I cannot stay here. I need to go to Edgewood. And Brother David was so, so kind and so, um, even in his sermons, I always was waiting that he would say something about the Catholic Church because I had that, um, I, I thought, well, other people, if they know, uh, if, if I find out that there is a difference, they know the difference too, and he will say something uh, negative about the Catholic Church, but Brother David never said one word about the Catholic Church that was negative. And I, I thought that was so kind and so sweet of him. But that is what God does with people who belong to him. His heart is fully theirs, and he melts them and molds them. And um, I got to read, read you the scripture here. But I realized that uh, now I can't see very good. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come, 
and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me if you will seek me with all your heart. I will be found, declares the Lord. So if you ever feel like you are, you don't know the Lord or you have a desire that uh, to know him better, if you seek him, he promises in his word, right there, he promises, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Keep seeking, keep asking. And also, if you have a friend, like the Noxus invited us to come over here. If you have a friend that doesn't go to church or have a church that, um, that you know is not where they ought to be, even they don't know it, like I didn't know it. <laughs> invite them to come because the word the word of God does not return void it will fulfill its plan that it has for you and um, and my other scripture is that um, then I, I had after she, then my husband died uh, after uh, it was in 99 he died and um, I knew enough, I had enough knowledge of the word of God that I knew I would be taken care of. It was, it was the peace that passed all understanding came over me. It was not only that people were praying for me, but I knew it, I knew it for myself because I knew the word. I had been in precept long enough that I knew that God became my husband, he, he would need every need that I had, every need. I can testify to that. He has never let me down. <coughs> the only problem was that the first three months, it was really hard for me. It was extremely hard. No family here. Um, Barbara had moved to California, and Marcus was here he, because boys are not that sensitive to these things. <laughs> but anyway, he, he loved me and he, he's here for me anytime I need something. So I started sleeping around. I went in every room of the house. I at least it'll get some good use out of it. So I gave it to them. 
and I, I, I have my new bedroom suit, which is only a queen-size bed, not a king-size bed. <laughs> a king-size bed is so big, and you all alone, you get lost in that bed. <laughs> and then, um, then I, in 85, I, uh, I started, my health started going south. Was, I had all kinds of problems. The first problem was I had uh, problems with, um, with my knees. I couldn't walk. And um, so the doctors decided I would have to have knee replacement. But before I could have that knee replacement, they found that I had breast cancer. And um, so I, um, I just had finished the, the, on, uh, in precept, the names of God, and I knew He was sovereign, sovereign over my life, sovereign over what happens to me, sovereign over every incident that happens in my life, sovereign over the cancer, over the knee replacement, or whatever would come my way. I knew that I was in His hands, and I yielded to that. And I remember. After I had that surgery and came home, I stayed with Marcus and Shannon out in Harris County for a few days. And I can tell you that peace that passed all understanding came over me. I thought, I don't care what happens. I, I, had, I did not, we didn't know at the outcome right then and there, but I did not have any more anxieties or, it, it was peace, peace all understanding when you know that he is sovereign. The sovereignty of God has changed my life. The names of God are powerful. You, you, you just need to know the names of God because they, they bring you through all the trials and tribulations in your life. Everything that comes is applicable to God's names. They are he is our strong tower, the righteous shall run into it. He's our healer, he's Jehovah Rapha, he's everything we need, he's our provider. He's our shalom, he's our peace. And that peace that was so, came so over me that I, I cannot tell you, it was, it was almost like you wanted to go through this again after it was all over. It was, it was so beautiful. I didn't mind going through this. So, I tell you, this is, I, I just wondered a lot of times if I had not met my husband, what would happen to my life? Would I have met Jesus? Would I know him? Would I have met him in Germany? I don't know. I have no idea. But there's one more scripture I mean. Three, five. A lot of you know it, and it has become my scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be not on your own understanding. In all His ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And that is what it. it if you trust in the Lord in all your circumstances, no matter what they are. He is faithful. He will see you through. He will help you. He will be with you. But also those who, who are still searching, 
because he is faithful also to meet you where you are. He, if you if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. He is faithful. He moves mountains. He will move mountains for you to get to know him. And I can testify to that. When you think where I have been, what I have done, it's been a roller coaster. But God was faithful, faithful to continue to uh, draw me, to seek me, even though I thought I was seeking him. But he was seeking me. And he found me and I found him. So this is, and I, I, I say to God alone be the glory for all he has done in my life. For all he has done, sola Deo Gloria. I play, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful for Edgewood and for the people here who have prayed for me tonight because it's the first time I'm speaking other than to the Girl Scouts. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to do. I didn't know if I was even going to be able to speak. But there again, the prayers are faith. He's faithful. And I told him, I said, you have got to help me. And he said, he told me, he said, I will, I will be there. I'll see you too. I will <coughs> never leave you nor forsake you. Just trust me. I said, yeah, I trust you because I have to prove what I have learned now in all my Bible studies that I do trust him, even, even when you're shaking in your boots, <laughs> like I did yesterday, but this afternoon, well, yeah, this morning, everything. <laughs> Very peaceful, and, um, and I, I actually, I got excited this afternoon to be able to share this with you, and uh, that you uh, hope you get something out of this. Just to know that God is sovereign over all of your life, and if you if you have a need that you seek Him, and and take all your cares, He will care for you. Put all your cares on Him. He is faithful. Thank you.